are you doing this? Welcome to Filmstrip, featuring Ron, Brian, and Jay. Hello, Bateman. This is Hector from Empire Realty in Manhattan. This podcast episode will be spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and details of the film. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Brian. And I'm Ron. And this is our review of The Refrigerator. No, not William Perry from the Chicago Bears. No, a movie called The Refrigerator that actually stars people, apparently. Julia McNeil, Dave Simons, and Angel Caban. Directed by Nicholas Jacobs, released in 1991, allegedly on a budget of $500,000, to unknown box office results. Ron, you put a note in here for me that they began filming in 1987 and didn't finish till 1991. Was that budget like on installment? <laughs> I imagine uh, they had to rent to own that refrigerator, so <laughs> it, it got pretty expensive pretty quickly. So this is a, uh, I guess we'd say, continuation of our loosely strung together movies so bad they must be seen um, that started with The Room and after that season. Wait a minute. <laughs> must be seen? Well, I don't know, Ron. You're the one that brought this gym to the table, so be displaining. I'm, I'm just yeah. going to say after last season is not must be seen. <laughs> I think everyone must see it because it, it, oh, otherwise they won't believe it's a real thing. <laughs> it's true. It's like a leprechaun. So. Anyway, to get this explained, uh, some months ago on Twitter, my friend, the author CJ Lyons, was talking about a terrible movie he had seen called The Refrigerator. He told me not to watch it and said that it was terrible. So that means I immediately went out and, and started to watch it. Uh, I found it on YouTube. It's up there for free. Like it's even hosted by one of the producers, a guy with the awesome name of uh, something Old Corn. <laughs> I forget his first name, but Old Corn is good enough. Uh, anyway, I went out and immediately watched it and loved it to an entirely insane degree. Uh, I feel like it's a great representation of a really weird time in the world <coughs> in, which, in which people were making a fortune on direct to VHS horror movies. Except it's not that at all, because this film was released in Germany and promptly forgotten in the United States. <laughs> Aside from one small pressing by Monarch Home Video in 1993, and I would pay good money to get that VHS in my hands right now. <laughs> wow. I, you know, I can imagine it comes in a really nice, large plastic box, too. You know? Oh, you know it's the big box, and you know the cover art is just absolutely insane. Well, yeah, the, the cover art owned the thing. The thing that got me when I when you sent me this was the tagline, no survivors, only leftovers. <laughs> so, and I just had to know, too. It was like, oh, I, I had to see. It's like Crash or something. You know, I must <laughs> stop and look. And that's, that's exactly what I thought it would be a great fit for our series and name only of uh, bad movies. And and I am the chief evangelist for crap and garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, I assume you had no uh, you know background with this at all, like me, right? No, I think my words were "what the fuck" when you said you <laughs> should join us on refrigerator. <laughs> Well, I think because we drug you through the room and after last season, you're you're pretty much now part of the team. You're on the blood brother, man. You cut oh, your trust me, you down. sold me right away <laughs> on watching this movie. <laughs> oh well, I, I I'm I'm hoping there was good alcohol or, or something involved with that. But <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if it would have helped with this. So, Ron, I'm going to put it to you here, since you are the champion of not only this kind of movie but of this movie. I think I wrote you the note plot summary. Ron, can you even write one of these for, for this? Because I don't know that it's, I mean, I thought, you know, 
summarizing something like the room is hard to go, but I'm curious to see what you tell us and tell everybody else who I assume probably hasn't seen this, what the refrigerator is all about. I mean, it's Jay, it's really a tale as old as time. Like I think Joe, I think Joseph Campbell mentioned it in his, uh, essays on myth, you know, the hero, <laughs> the hero takes a journey The you know, uh, the hero gets eaten by a refrigerator. I mean, it's just a classic movie tale. I mean, you know, the Iliad, the Odyssey, the refrigerator. <laughs> Makes sure. sense. Right? Yeah, go with. <laughs> anyway, so about this particular retelling of the refrigerator mythos. <laughs> a couple of drunk folks DUI their way across New York to head back to their apartment, which puts the tin in tenement and the slum in hopelessly downtrodden slum. <laughs> The couple, who looked like a stripper and a doorman someone bribed to be in their movie by promising him the chance to sweat on a hot girl, proceed to have the worst sex anyone has ever had since sex was invented in the 1960s. She goes into the kitchen to douse herself with bleach, but before she can burn the shame away, she finds herself sucked into the refrigerator. Turns out, that's no ordinary appliance. Steve, Dave Simons, and Eileen, Julia McNeil, leave the safety of Ohio for the big city because Steve is going to get a job at the business company, and Eileen is going to be a big star on Broadway despite having no talent. (laughs) They find an apartment they fall in love with, either despite or because of its proximity to Crack Alley, and move right in. Turns out the apartment is the very same apartment where stripper actresses routinely disappear, and they're quite... And their quaint, hipster-friendly vintage fridge is secretly a portal to hell. Steve is slowly driven crazy by the fridge, which occasionally eats nosy Parkers and causes Eileen to hallucinate unborn babies. Eventually, they have a big party in their terrible apartment, and the fridge's evil plan becomes apparent as kitchen equipment goes crazy and begins killing everyone and everything in sight. It's up to Eileen, the mysterious Tanya, played by never-heard-from-again Phyllis Sands, in her one-and-only movie role, and the brave, filthy-looking plumber Juan, Angel Caban, who was in one of my personal favorites, Troma's War, to put a stop to the refrigerator's reign of terror. <laughs> oh, wow. That, uh... That that's is a creative, creative platform. I'm <laughs> telling you, that's that may go right up there with when Nick told the story of Terror Vision from the monster's point of view. Um, it's <laughs> one of the greatest oh, wow. plot summaries in continuous play history, right there. Because, uh, well, okay, so we just we got to talk about it, right? Like with the the opening bit with the the two skankiest people ever and the worst like eighty yard um, sweaty dialogue. <laughs> Of him getting it all, right? I gotta say that you gave that one scene so much publicity in this plot summary. <laughs> I don't know what to think. It's like it's the first act almost, but it kind of is. Maybe it they're unholy. Like two minutes. Did their unholy sex bring about the hell portal of the refrigerator? I I need to know. I, I think the hell portal was, portal was there, but it was just really <laughs> angered by what it saw. <laughs> As a high, by the way. Um, which, which, from the fridge point of view, that would be a whole lot of terrible anuses. Oh, God. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, I can, you can see the track marks in that dude's uh, tidy whities I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty bad, right? I mean, it, that I've seen, I'm sad to say, I've seen some really poorly staged 
love scenes. The room is, you know, rife with them. But this, <laughs> but that looks like the greatest romance ever compared to this, and the one we get later. I mean, oh, it, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to Steve and uh, Eileen later. But yeah, this this thing is. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't really setting up the sex scene as the first act. I'm just trying to get you a good image of how this movie gets its cord into you and drags you screaming into the freezer. <laughs> well, you know, I think the the thing here is obviously we know we're, we're dealing with cheesy B-roll, B-film creature feature ripoff, right? Like that's the whole idea here is that you're – your fridge can be your your enemy now, or it can be the the porter to hell. Because in the eighties, which is I assume this is where this is supposed to be said, is in the yuppie eighties, right? Every like major appliance, you know, things that upwardly mobile folks would would uh, go after could also be turned to kill them. Like that's been done a lot. Anybody remember the stuff, the killer yogurt? I mean, that that seems to be like right in league with this, just on lesser budget. This is like uh, Maximum Overdrive's uh, special needs cousin. I like Maximum Overdrive. Do not rip Maximum Overdrive. I, I love Maximum Overdrive. Well, the, but... the soundtrack, too, it's awesome. So, have either of you watched it recently? Because I'm going to tell oh, you. heck yeah. We it, watch oh, it on a yeah. yearly basis, buddy. Oh, well, okay. You can go back and hear me and Nick uh, shred it. <laughs> uh, I did. I, I yeah. was not appreciated. That's okay. <laughs> Teach their own. So, but anyway, back to the refrigerator or the refrigerator here, I should say. So, it's the the setup here is that it grabs you. That's for sure. And I will give this movie this this bit because I knew going in. Obviously, this is cheap cheeseoid stuff. You know, can it grab me from the beginning? And it did. Maybe in a disgusting way, but it did. I I think it's. I think that that's the whole point. I think this is your instant litmus test. If you can, if you watch that and you're like, all right, I'm in. You're gonna be through the whole thing, and I think you're 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 gonna end up, if not enjoying it, just enjoying the weird terribleness of it all. But I think it's also a warning for those who aren't prepared for this sort of thing to get out now before tiny bosses jump out from behind the half and half, and uh, <laughs> you know, weird plastic-looking zombie fetus babies look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's we'll get to the zombie Vitis babies. Let's talk about our main characters, those guys. Steve and Eileen Bateman. Brian, what'd you make a good old Steve and Eileen here? Man, that, uh, what can I say about these two? They're they're fantastic. Uh, they have zero chemistry at all with each other. It's like these guys are supposed to be married. They're, he's dragging her away from her job to go to this new job. They don't even have a freaking place to live yet when he decides they're going to move. They're living with, I think, her her parents, was it? They were living with her parents, right? I think in so, Ohio. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. so, yeah. yeah. and they, they were trying as hard to get away out of there, which they did. Yeah. And, and he is so cocky and arrogant thinking he's going to be this big shot that he doesn't even bother to get a real realtor. He just goes to some slumlord guy. <laughs> To find him a, a place. No, hold on. Uh, his uh, job plans. We got to talk about this. Okay, <laughs> this guy is like, we're just going to move to New York, and I'm just going to be the biggest suck up there is in the office, so oh, I can but, get by. But and, he doesn't decide that until he sees another guy sucking up. Is that and, it? Like well, getting then, over. It. Yeah. yeah. What, then what the heck is his plan? 
<laughs> well, he thinks that he's going to be a big time business guy, right, in New York. So that that's why they move out there, and then he sees the other guy sucking up about the oh, I heard your kids, blah 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 blah. How's your wife? And so he thinks that that's his way to the top because these guys look like they've made it. Yeah, you know what else movie did that? Uh, Michael J. Fox did that in The Secret of My Success. <laughs> I, I'm just, oh, yeah. I was, I was remembering that as I watched this, going like, this would be like what happened if he had stayed in that crummy apartment and stopped <laughs> banging Helen Shaver. <laughs> he would have just wound up fighting the refrigerator from Hades. So I mean, it could be. I mean, Steve Bateman could be him. I, I would think. But here's my favorite part about them is when they actually get to where this apartment is. And the shady uh, apartment uh, slumlord guy yeah. is talking about how the rent is, you know, $400 a month or some shit. And then he says, well, uh, I think it should be like 200 And the guy starts laughing. And he goes, we're in New York. And then he looks at the fridge <laughs> and says, but that sounds like a good deal. And so he thinks he's king shit. Steve Bateman thinks he's king <laughs> shit after that deal. <laughs> and then you look at the apartment you're like... <laughs> Yeah, two hundred bucks is probably a ripoff. Well, I don't doubt that they were probably paying two hundred dollars an hour to use this space in New York in nineteen eighty seven to nineteen ninety one, right? I mean, I doubt it was New York. <laughs> okay. No, I yeah, I, I looked up the. Uh, they show you the street corner. I went and I yep. looked that up in, in Google Maps, and that's like straight up, you know, lower east side Manhattan. Wow, this is shot actually in New York. Now I was with Brian. I thought this was just you know standard. <laughs> I, wow, they shot on location? That or they were p- pretty smart, which <laughs> let's not give them that much credit. I know, yeah, there's no way these people can figure that out. They were probably in New York. Wow, that is amazing. I mean, well, if it makes you feel better, they probably shot without any sort of permits or uh, you know, <laughs> oh, safety I'm, regulations. Or, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was happening. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no way. Those are probably actually real-life people in those hallways, the druggies and all them. <laughs> I wouldn't said, doubt it. Shoot him. I I wouldn't doubt that Juan's cohorts were actually the <laughs> maintenance people in the building. They're like, hey, dudes, just come over and hang out. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, really. <laughs> so, well, okay. We've talked about Steve, Ron, Eileen. Let, let's talk about Miss Eileen Bateman here. I've actually seen Julia McNeil and other things, <laughs> oddly enough. And I was sitting there the whole time going, I know this face. I know this woman from something else. And I had to look it up, of course, being a big you know nerd. I was like, I must know what else this woman was in that I remember. And you know what, it, what finally rang it for me? She was in a movie called Flesh and Bone with, I think, uh, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan and I think one of James Conn's in it. It's sort of this, I don't know, backwoods thriller kind of thing or whatever. But I remembered her face from there, and sure enough, she's in that movie. Really? That's, yeah. that's spectacularly weird that, <laughs> yeah. that she got work after this. <laughs> She's been on a Law and Order. Oh, I think spec- that was before this. She's been on Law and Order. She, no, that was in '93. So that was after this. She's been on Law and Order. She's done all kinds of stuff, man. So. But anybody who lives in New York has been on Law and Order. This I mean, is I'm, true. I'm pretty sure that like <laughs> Taylor Swift as New York's newest ambassador is just going to end up on like. Law and Order playing some sort of corpse. <laughs> no, she's got to be the killer because nowadays, if you're the guest, you're the killer. And that, uh, that, that yeah. she could be the pop star that totally loses it. 
Yeah. Well, she already did that in one of her one of her videos. That I my know. Wife that's, made me watch. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Well, I'm. You know what? I'm going to be the guy here that says that song's actually pretty cool. I'm. I'm down for that. That video so, kicks ass. <laughs> that video is pretty. I mean, she's a. I don't know. She marches to her own drum, sure, but that I'll give her credit for some of that. But beyond that, beyond that is the, the idea that that woman has worked again. But Eileen Bateman may be the most. How shall I say it? Put upon wife I've ever seen in any film. <laughs> she is. This is an abusive relationship, right? Like she's a battered wife. I'm not trying to make fun of that. I don't that's, know if that she's that's, a battered wife. She's definitely, you know, verbally abused. That's what I'm saying. Like she comes off as someone who is in an abusive relationship and doesn't know how to get out. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I think, especially as the movie goes on, that becomes more and more like. Here's our subtext. Which I guess if they're announcing it, it's not really subtext. It's just text, text. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that totally makes sense. And you do see a lot of he's kind of control. He's like a 1950s um, husband. Yeah. Where's my dinner. It's yeah. Just- he's like, where's my dinner? And oh, honey, it's why don't you get out of the house for a few hours? Go. Here's a quarter. Go watch a movie at the. Victrola or whatever. <laughs> I I don't know. It was very much like, where are my slippers? June, where's the beef? And, you know, come over here and let me smack you in the face. I mean, that was, it was very, I don't know. It was very weird, like their relationship. And Brian, you mentioned it, that they have no chemistry. They have less than no chemistry. Like They <laughs> have negative chemistry. Like I look at them and I'm like, did these two people even meet before they shot any of these scenes together? Oh, no. I think they met. I just think they actively dislike each other. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes that can work. Comes like, across in the sex scene, that's for sure. Well, you know what? That's funny, though, because like, you watch something like Officer and a Gentleman. It is notorious that Richard Gere and Deborah Winger, to this day, still hate each other. But they have some of the most passionate love scenes you know, ever put to cinema in that film. These people are the exact opposite of it. This is the example of, and this is when it doesn't work. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Because they are bad. they are terrible together, and she is horrible. And the thing is, I think I'm supposed to feel sorry for her, well, but I really don't. It's, she's it's, supposed to have mental problems too, because she always, she's talking to herself constantly when no one else is around. She she lets random strangers in the room on a whim in New York, just you know, because why not? You you look nice enough, Juan the plumber. I don't need to check your credentials or any of that shit. You got a belt on? Sure, why not? Come on in. Have some coffee. Here, help yourself to the fridge. And I'm no- gonna go out. I'm gonna go out and uh, and peruse the neighborhood for a little bit in this montage that's coming up. Will you sit here and just have some food? Well, you know what the thing is is <laughs> if they had paid that off because Juan actually turns out to be a good guy, right? <laughs> yeah, which is fine, but it's just bizarre. I think we're supposed to establish that um, neither one of these people should have ever left Ohio because they're not equipped for life in the big city or any city of size. You know, I don't think they could. I don't. I wouldn't trust these two to be safe in Columbus, Ohio, let alone you know New York City or even like a Cleveland. Yeah, these guys just look like they're ready to get ripped off by the Ohio State football team. Like they, they, they're they so like, trusting. Yeah, yeah, they would just be victims to anything that came by. Like they, it, there would be no mercy created upon them. I mean, he. I mean, clearly, she thinks 
she be- believes he. I know he ends up being the actual super, but I think just the fact that he's like a Hispanic guy in a sleeveless coveralls <laughs> holding a plunger is like all. Like I think anybody could have showed up at the house with a plunger, and she'd have been like, "Oh, you must be the plumber." A plunger, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that's the main tool of the plumber is the plunger. Well, I guess the, I know they do use them, but you know, <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> well, yeah, I know, right? Like you can't do that. Like, I, and that's the other thing. She's supposed to be this, you know, Midwestern resourceful woman or whatever. She comes off like an idiot. Like <laughs> she doesn't know how to do anything. It's just supposed to be an actress. This, uh, I mean, that that's a joke, right? Like they're not. That's not for real. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe all these scenes that we get of her mom being a psychopath trying to kill herself. Explain yeah. it? Is that what that's supposed to do? I Explain her stupidity? I don't know. <laughs> that's what I'm wondering. So. I mean, I just, you know, mommy dearest, I guess. <laughs> that's all I can think of the whole time. That's like, this is like, she's like Christina, um, crap. What's her name? Oh, uh, now that you said that, I'm going to have to go look it up because I can't remember it either. Um, <laughs> hold on. I keep wanting to say Christina Carpenter, but that's not it. Crawford. Uh, Crawford. Christina Crawford. Yeah, yeah. Crawford's daughter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I it, There was that. And then I was also thinking about, remember the mom that sort of popped into the room and then had cancer and then just disappeared. It was fine. The next scene or whatever. She was kind of like that, too. Like there was a little bit of that going on. Mm, but yeah. but she left the dad to go with somebody else. And then the dad was like, OK, I love like the conversation with dad on the phone, too. I mean, you can see the pattern of abuse for this woman began long ago. <laughs> I'm like this. Is, she is married a man just like her father. Well, I don't know that the dad is the bad one. I think the mom's a psychopath. Yeah, I think the I mom. I get the feeling that to... the mom controls the dad. Well, I know that's what I'm saying is that you can tell by the dad the way he just sort of placates and talks down to her and stuff that he's he's beaten too. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, yeah. It's terrible, and bizarre. Like, and then then mom shows up from Ohio. Yeah, right. On a whim, out, out, out of, of nowhere. Yeah, that was kind of odd. Yeah, because that's a really common twelve-hour drive to make. Yeah, right. why not? Yeah, I mean, like you know, Brian, your your uh, parents live you know not that far away from you. I'm sure they call before they come over. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they better. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, but I mean, really, you know, that's that's what you would expect. This is so, it's so bizarre. But again, the whole setup here is that we're supposed to get behind these people, right? That they, you know, Steve's got this new job, and Eileen's trying to become a performer, and like everything that can go wrong is going wrong for both of them. At at the same time that's what I, I i get yeah i don't know if we're supposed to get behind them or not are we supposed to fridge? i think we're supposed to root for the fridge <laughs> the fridge is the hero <laughs> that's kind of like you get behind hungry and, it's kind of like you get behind hungry the monster in terror vision to take out all the awful people the swinger family right well, of course yeah. <laughs> yeah but then he then he eats uncle rico and that's a step too far well, yeah exactly because that's when that's when it was too much so. and, it, and in this case the fridge kills um oh what juan's buddy yeah uh, Pablo. Pablo. Uh, yeah, right. So, yeah, he goes down, and then I, yeah, th- let's talk about the fridge's attacks, okay? <laughs> that I'm gonna say I, I, I have made a very low budget, no budget film once before where we tried to do like you know violent special effects and realized very quickly all we can really manage to do is turn the lights on and off really fast, 
And that's about what this is, too. It's a fridge with a red light bulb in it and a lot of really awful smoke and noise. Like, it's it's as if Sigourney Weaver's refrigerator from Ghostbusters made its way to this apartment somehow, and, and Zool was still inside. <laughs> Oh, well, clearly Sigourney Weaver buys this fridge at like a rummage sale and then moves it to the ghost. No, wait, this is after Ghostbusters. You're yeah, right. Long after. Yeah, as I was saying, okay. after the blast on the top of that building, this fridge survived somehow. It landed on but Walter it, Peck's car and, you know, it just is. But it feels like this movie was made in, in like 1980, uh, 1978 or something. Yeah, it does not look like a film made on film stock and processed in any professional manner whatsoever. It doesn't even feel like it was the late eighties. Yeah. It, like, yeah. You know what though? I, I will say this. It There's a nineties feel to it. And I almost want to think it's in the dress. I think most of the scenes we get with the actors that are the primaries is probably done on the late end of it. Because the funny thing is, you can see them age over the course of the production. Like Juan's, Juan's hairline recedes throughout the film, and that that is amazing to me. That's awesome. You know, I mean, like you know, we, Brian, we we've done you know the Buffy show, and you see how those characters age over time, right? You know, oh, yeah, yeah. it's much more obvious on like Angel, even I think too. But that's what's funny about this is this movie was made over four years, and you can tell it. So. Which really is pretty amazing that. They were able to get these people to come back for four years to shoot this movie. I I want to know what they had on them. <laughs> That's because like at some point it's like I've got naked pictures of you ready to go all over this thing called the internet, and you know, or they, something. <laughs> we're gonna put it up on our BBS. <laughs> yeah. Gopher. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, yeah, I no. think it's just basically a lack of other opportunities for these people. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Too. It has to be. Well, and and if you look at their their uh, most of these guys didn't have much opportunity, so that makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> but, so, uh, so they kept coming back, going, "Man, this refrigerator hey, thing is going to be paid something, right?" <laughs> Maybe they, maybe they got a paycheck. A ham sandwich? Not much. <laughs> I mean, it can't be much. $500,000 budget. <laughs> Look, we've seen what five hundred grand will buy you in a movie. Leprechaun 3, anybody? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's about what it'll get you. But you know what? Even that looks more You know what? Leprechaun 3, amazingly, was <laughs> one of the better ones. as bad as the other one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's actually one of the better entries in that. That's saying a lot about that series. But uh, <laughs> Sweet video game scene. <laughs> Oh, uh, I did. still am waiting for explanation of the one-eyed, one-armed, one-leg pirate that sells the statue <laughs> at the beginning of that. But I guess I'll never get that. Dang you, Origins, so for, for answering none of my questions. <laughs> anyway, but no, they, they're in this apartment, right? And here's the thing is that like everything that starts going can bad happen to them starts happening. And my question to you guys is, is the refrigerator like – causing bad things to happen to them. Kind of the way that like Annabelle was causing bad things to happen to that couple in the apartment in uh, California, Ron, is that, is that what we're to believe is that all the problems they're having at work and her lack of ability to get an audition and get anything done on time is all because the fridge, her lack of ability to get an audition is because she doesn't fucking go. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the fridge is sabotaging their lives uh, when they're in the apartment. I, I think they're just, Terrible people uh, who aren't fit for you know to live in the human world <laughs> the rest of the time. I mean, like I think Steve's screw ups are like all his fault e- until like he becomes the waffle maker 
and, <laughs> and I think it just kind of slowly spirals out of control. Well, that's the thing. Like, she walk, gets out of the apartment, leaves Juan and everybody there to take care of everything, and like she does this Sesame Street tour of New York. You know, like uh, the montage. Yes. Yeah, the, the the montage. That is an amazing montage, by the way, for a movie with no budget. That was impressive. That's where it all went. <laughs> yeah, that's four hundred thousand dollars a montage right there. It better be good. <laughs> Dang, well, must have been. It all seems right, we gotta- like. Got to pay for a scene at the subway. <laughs> it seems like the only thing that they had. Well, you know what? All the scenes end kind of abruptly, so I feel like that's you know the beat cup going. You got a permit for that, you know? right? Yeah, and, right. And, and they're like, oh shit, turn it off. Exactly. <laughs> maybe, How, that's where, maybe that's where all the money went. They had to keep giving cops hundred dollar bills to finish. The well, and and kind of like Leprechaun Three, Brian, where they did that in Vegas. They didn't have permits there either. They just kept running in and out of the street. So it's uh, it's the same the same basic idea. I, but I, I did find her montage to be hilarious because yeah yeah go ahead. Oh, I I just think that uh, like Ron said, Steve's problems are all on his on himself. Mm. But I think that if you read the some of the quote unquote plot summaries that are out there for this thing everyone <laughs> says that this refrigerator is using mind control right? <laughs> oh wow right so i think the refrigerator is causing her to get more and more psycho because let's face it she was psycho to begin with she's just getting worse and worse as we go on then mama comes and visits and that makes it even worse there and then you, you see that it, ha- it captures uh Apollo, when he gets mm-hmm. killed too, yeah. it, it kind of captures him and and controls him and then kills him, which, by the way, awesome death scene. Yes, it was. So did it chews him up basically by the door? Oh, that was great. It's fantastic. Yeah, I just wanted. To, <laughs> I just was waiting for the little foam teeth to come out and of the door. <laughs> the, the 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 random part about that was the psycho woman watching from across the <laughs> the, the way through the window. Like she doesn't do a thing; she just watches this guy die. I think that's supposed to be some commentary on New York and how people. Well, just it was supposed to be the psychic. psychic. That was the psychic watching. Oh, oh that's right. You're yeah. right. I forgot about the psychic. We haven't even got to that yet. So, so, so it wasn't like some big commentary on uh, Kitty Genovese. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> but now, that was the psychic watching the whole thing go down because she's the one who informs Juan that that he died and how uh, because she had watched it, right? And, and that the refrigerator is is possessed or some crap. Isn't that why they go to see her when they start having nightmares after they go to sleep? Because Steve is seeing the victims, the small people in the fridge, and Eileen is seeing the unborn babies, which is, that was freaky. I would say, I was like, you know, this is not scary in the least bit, but if they wanted to try to be, that would have been the place to try and do it. That was kind of weird. I I don't think they were trying to be scary. I think they were trying to be funny. Well, it, it comes off it that way. <laughs> I think yeah. they were, I think, like, I think, like, you know, after the first like thirty minutes of footage is in the can, they were like, "You know what? We can't make this scary. It's a refrigerator with a red light inside. Let's just make it funny." Could be. <laughs> and then it just abruptly shifts tone uh, and becomes a horror comedy. Could have been, considering <laughs> it took them four years to do it. I I debate that there was a script. This says it was written by the director too. <laughs> I debate that there were anything more than have relation problems. Go. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, it it feels about like the same direction that the Italian dude gave the people on Troll too. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad, <laughs> nice. you know. I, but I do like their their hallucination scenes and and all of this. And let's we've already talked about the opening sex scene. Let's just talk about it when Steve and Eileen decide to get it on in front of the fridge because it's so freaking well, hot. Before we go there, okay. Before we go there, I just wanted to say. Did anyone else get the feeling that the psychic's dwelling or lair was just like this box set up on a roof <laughs> of, a, of a building? Because it's so random where it's at, and it's like this lone structure in the middle of nowhere. I bet it is in the side of like a, a, a back uh, – back, uh, walled uh, staircase where they could hide it. You know, like one of those places you go in case of fire and rescue, you know, where you're just hiding out or something. I bet it's just in a corner somewhere because, again, they didn't have permission to shoot any of it. So (laughs) that would be my guess. I guess, yeah. Um, it just felt like okay. Now go ahead. Go. Let's go to that well, sex scene. Well, I want. I want to talk about the. We've already talked about the opening love scene. Let's talk about Eileen and Steve's big love scene here, right? Because it's so freaking hot in the apartment. They decide let's go <laughs> hang out in front of the fridge. Now look, you know. I live in the deep south, Ron. You live in the south, Brian. It gets hot in Minnesota. We've all been warm, and and I will not lie. Occasionally, I have stepped in front of the fridge and just said, "Ah, cool." Not once have I ever thought, you know, it'd be really awesome right now. <laughs> Sex in front of the fridge. <laughs> Sex in front of the fridge. I've never had that. I don't know, urge, moments, whatever. So explain. Kitchen table, countertop, please. Yeah, if if you can explain anything to me, Ron, please (laughs) explain to me. Is this the part where the refrigerator totally drives Steve insane? Is that what we're supposed to get? I I think it's, yeah, I think it's been, it's like the culmination of the refrigerator's tendencies. Because if you remember from the first uh, terrible sex scene, that's when. Uh, the girl gets killed. Right. So I'm thinking that the fridge wants them to uh, create some sort of hell baby in front of it. <laughs> Rosemary's refrigerator? <laughs> yes. It's it, it's like, you know, <laughs> Reagan's toy box or something. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I, I kept waiting, but it is. Uh, well, I mean, it does. I mean, we. I think in the very opening scene, that was the the refrigerator showing off its mind control abilities. Right. Because uh, it kind of opens up, and then the dude looks at it, and he's like, okay, 200. I don't think that was – I mean, I know it was bad acting, but I don't think it was just bad acting. Like, I think that's some power that the fridge has over simple-minded people, which is why it works so well on Steve. Yeah, it must be. That's all I can think of. Brian, what's your read? I, I, I didn't think it had any, I don't know. To me, I never got the sense that it had mind control over Steve, but more so a fear factor on everyone else. Like Even Eileen, she seemed like she was scared shitless of this thing all the time. And mm-hmm. then when he suggests that they go out and, and uh, have sex with the refrigerator door open, she looks like she wants none of it the whole time. And he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah can we, can And she's, we, like, staring at this fridge. Yeah, let's, let's talk scared. about that because the only blatant nudity in the film is the dude. <laughs> like, she's <laughs> off her And I'm wondering if the actress is like, look, I will lay there and he can writhe on me, but I'm not taking anything off. <laughs> you know? I think that was the point is that she was not into this at all. And it was all for him. And that's, 
Yeah, what it did. It seems to me this whole thing is about him, though. He moved him well, to yes. New York and all that. That's the the idea, right? I think so. Yeah, I mean, he's super patronizing. I mean, it does seem like that would be something he would want. Mm-hmm. And also, there's the whole uh, neglected subplot about how he's jealous of of her hanging out with the plumber and the way those guys at the bodega look at her and all that stuff. Yeah, I think there's I think there's definitely some like uh, insecurity issues on old Steve's part. Uh, guaranteed, because let's talk about Juan the plumber. Not only is it plumber, but he's apparently an accomplished flamenco dancer as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and there's like this sort of sub fantasy that becomes reality, I guess, at the end where he what? and Eileen run off together to become champion flamenco dancers. <laughs> this is the part that I thought was the most hilarious because when he introduced himself to her, she just accepting who he is, he comes in and he's just awkward and she tells him that she's an actress, and he says, I am in the entertainment business also. And <laughs> goes on to do this 20-minute flamingo dance in front of her, and she's just like, ugh. And then at the end, what? <laughs> she's now flamingo dancing with him? I blame that on the fact that this actress is not very good at acting, because I, I thought she was supposed to be conveying that she was really into that. Oh, and it- God. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. Yeah, well, it, yeah, I think that's what she was supposed to do. She's, she's failed at it miserably. Because, so. oh. uh, you know, she's terrible. So <laughs> that's really all you can say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's crazy. But the thing the thing is, is when we, we finally get to the, I guess, the end here, right? The, the big climax is that they throw a party in the apartment, right? And then, like, the kitchen appliances decide to go straight up maximum overdrive and just start killing everybody. Right. What is it? Fridge is. Yeah. I was going to say how, what did the fridge do? Did it decide to just, I'm going to transfer all my power into the blender, the Cuisinart, this other thing. And we're going to have random slaughter in the kitchen now. That part made zero sense to me. Yeah. I I think they just needed a big uh, gangbusters ending. And that was the best idea they had that they could afford. (laughs) Terrible. Oh, that was a terrible idea. Because <laughs> not only is it, I mean, the effects are, are you know, hilariously bad and, and cheesy, and I think they're supposed to be. That's funny. But it doesn't come off with any kind of, like, stakes at all. I'm sitting there going like, oh, that guy's getting killed by the blender. Oh, that's that's kind of like that uh, knife, that electric knife that killed that chick or cut that chick in maximum overdrive. Oh, it kind of reminds me of that. Uh, when's the fridge going to eat somebody again? You know, I mean, I'm right, sort, right. sort of waiting on that. I have to say the fridge is surprisingly effective as a, a monster. Yeah, it is. I mean, but but it's sort of a an absentee monster. I mean, he eats some people and it kills some people, but in the big showdown, it's just there flapping its lid. <laughs> I, mean, I think if they wanted to make this work, they could have with the, the with the psychopathic fridge. Mm-hmm. But they should have had it to where like any time she goes into the fridge, something nasty happens, right? Like, she sees Hell's Gate, right? Anything. And then, so she's afraid of this fridge, but anytime anyone else goes in there, it's perfectly normal fridge. So they all think she's psycho. They could have worked on that level, but that's not what they did, unfortunately. It seemed like everybody in the area knew about this fridge going into it. They they all knew this fridge was psycho. But they didn't tell tell the people moving in. 
Yeah, and and then even in the end, Juan ties the refrigerator shut. The survivors leave. They don't say anything else, and somebody else comes and buys the apartment, and they go flamenco dancing. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Across the USA, they're just like, well. screw it. It's somebody else's problem now. I, I want to know how they like explained the cleanup of that. Like, well, all these body parts, just shovel those in the back, and uh, yeah. You know, we got to show this thing at two, so hurry up. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> it cleans up after itself because there was no uh, mess after Apollo died either. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is like I needed to, I needed to see the refrigerator accomplish that in some way. Like, I, you know, just a flash. That would cost a little too much money. <laughs> well, they <laughs> could have done. They could even done them the cheap, and it would have still worked. So I'm <laughs> saying, it's, it's it's the again. I think they got to an end of the like. And well, now we'll just have everything in the. Uh, kitchen just go ape shit and kill everybody why <laughs> who gives a damn it looks cool <laughs> you know, like they, they had no nowhere else to go yeah. i know? didn't buy 50 dollars worth of fishing line not yeah. to use it we've been we have been shooting this movie for four freaking years you know? <laughs> i'm ready to go julia's got other things to do <laughs> so you know so we gotta she's got a law and order coming up we gotta get her out of here so you know there's only so much they can do, but it does leave you hanging with that moment of, and the fridge is still out there somewhere, right? That's every horror movie trope ever. I found, bro, man. Hang on a second. I got to see what that was. That's okay. Kind of like a cat. Is it your refrigerator? <laughs> it's the refrigerator. It's the no! fridge. Yeah. <laughs> the fridge has come to claim Ron and Holly. So. Ah, Oh man. Moon River. You still want to try to do um uh Angel tomorrow? You want to try to do a dry? I thought we were talking about doing a dry run on Monday night. Uh what time? I I'm open for whenever, dude. Later is better. Okay. Uh I'm having band practice from 5.30 to probably 9. Okay. Uh, you know what? We probably better not do it after that. So, yeah, that'd be a little yeah. tough. Yeah, we'll, we'll catch up. No big deal. So. Sorry about I that. have the whole week off, so you have any time during the day? I wish I did. We're heading down to Rachel's fans uh, Tuesday, and so I don't know. As a matter of fact, let me find out what time we're heading at Tuesday, because I could do it Tuesday during the day, because I'm, I'm off as well. Perfect. So uh, we may do that. We'll, we'll catch up on that. You okay? Your refrigerator trying to eat your holly or a cat or something? No, uh, it is the cat's fault. We got a uh, we got a little space heater thing that looks like a little fireplace. Yeah. So we put it. Holly uh, brought it up here uh, earlier when I had my microfilm muted and had put it in front of the actual fireplace that's up here. Oh. So he learned he could jump on top of that and then jump up onto the actual fireplace and he knocked a, like a thing like a big piece of wood off oh okay and yeah but clearly he's fine because <laughs> you can't oh, hurt nice. stupid <laughs> <laughs> that's a great summary for this movie so <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why eileen lives it's because you can't you can't hurt <laughs> so yeah so uh no uh it is an interesting ending especially with them two you know running off in the to in the wilds to to dance the night away, I guess after or, or Steve is dead, but you know whatever that's, and, that's where we are. Yeah, and you know she's a psychopath by the fact that her mom's dead. Mm-hmm. She doesn't tell her dad she's dead <laughs> when the dad she calls the dad. Say, have you seen mom? <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't tell her. It doesn't tell him anything. And her husband's dead, 
and she just runs off with the plumber. But he is one. <laughs> so, I mean, you know. He's also the super. This is true. And a flamenco dancer. So wow. I, I I think maybe he was just like understanding and nice, and he listened to her, and and thus he became the uh, balding mustachioed plumber of her dreams. <laughs> well, you know what? He actually is the nicest guy in the whole film. So that that is to be said. But I was waiting for like the psychic to be their agent or something. Like you know that was I just needed to know where the heck everybody else went. But you know I guess that was not to be. So well, guys, I think we're at the point of the podcast where it's time to give final thoughts. And ratings, popcorn ratings for the film. So what are yours for The Refrigerator, Ron? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go with a, a large popcorn <laughs> with, the, with the caveat that you have to enjoy terrible things. Uh, <laughs> we've watched worse, mm-hmm. but rarely is worse this entertaining because I thought it was just laughably fun all the way through. Uh Especially if, you know, especially once the fridge starts eating people, I, I, I just kind of, you know, I, I was on board right from the very beginning. I love bad things. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, so I was on board with it. And I think that if you like bad movies, like this is a great one to get a six pack, fire up the the Chromecast or whatever you got that'll put Google or put YouTube on your TV and just kind of enjoy yourself. Oh, yeah, you cut out there at the end. Oh, where'd I cut off? You cut out and enjoy, enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, and enjoy yourself. Oh, that was the end. All right, <laughs> that was that was the end. It's kind of like a movie; it just abruptly happened. So. <laughs> and then I became a flamenco dancer. <laughs> there you go. All right, Brian. I surprisingly am going to join Ron in this large popcorn. I I got a kick out of this movie. It was so bad um, that I would probably watch it again because it was that bad. And yeah, but I do have one thing to say. Don't go to IMDb and read the plot summary there because it's really stupid. For one, they say that the apartment contains a refrigerator, which is the only thing they like in the place. I got no inkling ever that they like this fridge. <laughs> um, so where they came up with that, I have no idea. But regardless, uh, it is so bad that it's good. And so I, I actually enjoyed the crap out of this one. I cannot believe I just listened to you two guys get these large popcorn. <laughs> if if- and hey, if you if you got a problem with the plot summary, take it up with icy <laughs> underscore shadow at rocketmail.com. Oh, I plan and, to. And, Parka and, is going down. And 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 I, I I can't believe you two guys just gave this large popcorns, and I also can't believe that I'm going to join you in it. But dang it, I am. <laughs> yes. Because, because you know what? As far as trash cinema goes, this is gold. I mean, this is this is right up there with. Well, it's not as great as Troll Two, but it's darn close. I mean, it it must be seen. I mean that that is true. I will say now, folks, if you like just goofy. <laughs> off-the-wall stuff that you can watch with a group of people and have your own little MST3K party going on, this is the film for you. I mean, this is definitely one to go with. And so I, I'm with you guys. I mean, I had a blast with it. That's, I watched it twice for this review, and I thought two minutes into this, I'm like, I'm not going to get through this thing. And then I was like, i got to watch that again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, thank, thank that's you. That's how it gets you. The mind control <laughs> starts working through the screen. Yeah. Uh, 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 that was the secret uh, plot of the refrigerator all along. 
and I now will never look at my fridge the same. So, <laughs> but uh, I had a good time with it too, and I really had a good time talking it with you two guys. Who knows what corners we'll go around next on our bad movie continuum here. We're going to keep coming up with them. And as always, folks, you can hook up with us on the website, continuousplaypodcast.com. You can find all of our podcast ventures there. The Art of Slaying, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. You can find links to uh, the Fabish Factor film podcast, of course, Film Strip, all the film reviews, and then also Brian's uh, wrestling podcast, The Squared Circle Flashbacks, where he takes a look at pay-per-views of the years gone by that are available on the WWE Network. All that available there, and of course on iTunes. If you like the show, leave us a review, let us know what you think, and hook up with us on Twitter and Facebook, and if you have a suggestion, no promises, we're going to do it, but throw it out there. You never know. You may you may uh, tickle one of our fancies, and the next thing you know, we're sitting down for an hour to talk about it here on the show. So, as always, we appreciate your support. For Brian and Ron, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, for more reviews and episodes. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17.